I have a question though. Do you have a, do you have a favorite story? I mean like a favorite story, like a movie, a book, a nursery rhyme. Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite one? Uh, for me, one of my, my favorites, uh, if it's on TV, well, here, I'll just tell you. Last night I was watching baseball game. I was watching the Dodgers and the Giants and uh, the Dodgers took the lead. They went up, I think they ended up winning. I guess I never checked. But uh, I turned it off. They were up about five runs and so I started flipping channels and the Shawshank Redemption was on. If I see the Shawshank Redemption, more often than not, I'm gonna stop and watch that movie. I, I love that movie. Um, another one of mine, another one of my favorites is The Sandlot. You familiar with The Sandlot? About these little boys playing baseball? Because uh, I resonate with it because that was totally my story as a kid growing up. I grew up in a small town and there was a handful of us every day all summer long. That's all we did, we went and played baseball. We rode our bikes around town. I got into trouble, and I just, I so resonate with that story. So, uh, what's your favorite story, and why? Why do you connect with it? There's something about it there that probably connects with you. And how about this? Have you ever had a story that's just affected you in an incredibly deep way? You know what I mean? Like, uh, a story is just, it's it's challenged something about life for you. Sally Lloyd-Jones says this, she says, a story can do more than teach you. A story can transform you. Isn't that true? A good story can just, it can transform you. And and part of that, uh, what I'm gonna argue today is that the big reason for that is because God communicates to us in story and we're part of his story and he's designed us to resonate with story. That's how he's made us. In fact, if you really think about it, everything we communicate is some sort of story. We're natural storytellers and story seekers. I mean, maybe if if we haven't met yet and I come find you after the service and say hi, and uh, we'll, we'll start talking and I'll be asking questions. What's your name? Where are you from? What am I finding out? Your story. And you might ask questions back and and want to know a little bit of my story. And we're we're just naturally wired that way by God to tell stories. And and the stories we're drawn to, the stories we read, the stories that resonate with us, the songs we sing, all of that, it moves us deeply because it resonates with certain themes of life. One such story is uh, this one. Are you familiar with Les Mis? Les Mis is um, the third longest running Broadway play of all time. It's still going. And uh, Les Mis was originally written by Victor Hugo in, let me see here, 1862. And it's the heroic tale of this guy's journey from um, through France during the French Revolution in the 18th century and his, his struggle to live through both injustice and revolution. Jean Valjean is the guy. Have you seen it? Anybody seen it? It's powerful. There's multiple different versions of the movie that have been made, uh, or the the place made into a movie. And and in 2012, there was a full featured version of it that came out in theaters. I don't know if you got to see it. I got to go see it, but uh, it it was was powerful, really well done. I'd recommend seeing it if you haven't. But I want to show you a reaction of one woman who went and saw this movie, and it moved her. Deeply, It might be a little hard to make out what she's saying, but I'll fill you in 
here in a moment afterwards. Check this lady out. So well, I hit a first note. I know. I I know. <laughs> no, but didn't he? Wasn't it better than the play, George? It was better than the play. <laughs> I don't think you can say that. <laughs> I was, well, what's I the was, saddest part for you? I was walking. I was crying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What was your saddest part, you think? At the end, his eyes. It was old. <laughs> I just oh have to look. God. I look at it and have to wear it. Stop. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't talk about it. <laughs> I told him. We've been to funerals. We've been to funerals. What is that? I'm so It's hard to make out what he says. But she's like, I'm so moved, I can't talk about it. And he's like, we've been to funerals of family members, people we knew, and she hasn't cried this much. <laughs> Isn't it true that a good story, just it can, it can move you to the core? Because stories, they, they bring us into the experience. They, they move us deeply. And it's part of the fact, or part of because of the fact that that's how God has wired us. I wonder, what's one of your favorite stories? Why do you resonate with it? Well, clearly, uh, what I would commend you this morning is that story and stories are, are powerful. They're powerful in being able to communicate truth. You know, um, and every story ultimately echoes God's story. J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, writer of Lord of the Rings, writes this. He said, stories are powerful because they point to an underlying reality that's almost more true than the way life is actually being lived in this world. And he goes on to say that every good story, and C.S. Lewis says something similar to this, that every good story, we resonate with it because it points to something that's deeper in, in our lives and in our heart. Like this, this reality that's deeper, that, that things we know ought to be true or that we long to be true. And Tolkien goes on to say, that's because every good story ultimately is an echo of God's story. Every good story echoes God's story. See, friends, uh, God communicates through story. Uh, this is what Jesus did so often in his teaching. You know, one of the big things he did is he, he told stories. That's how he taught. Parables, which are just simply stories that communicate spiritual truth. And over and over and over and over again, we, we read about Jesus telling stories. Why would he do that? Because he knew that if he was really going to communicate something uh, to the heart and go, go deep with somebody, he knew that the best way to do that, and especially in that day when not everybody had a copy of God's word on their device, right, was to tell stories because they'd stick with people and they'd resonate with them. And so Jesus tells stories. And, and God wired us in such a way that we would respond to story. Jesus was the master storyteller. And in fact, not only Jesus, but do you know Paul? We've been looking at the Apostle Paul's life during this series, or, or his ministry, and uh, Paul told story. He used story in a powerful way to, to, to share the gospel with people who are far from God. That's what he did. Um, let me just catch you up a little bit if you haven't been with us. We're looking at, at 
at Paul in this series, and Paul was a missionary, a church planter. He, he came to faith in Christ, and then he goes off and starts planting churches, telling everybody about Jesus. And in the book of Acts in the New Testament, there's three different formal journeys that Paul goes on that are recorded there. And, and we're in the midst of his second one, where he ends up in the city of Athens. And when he's in Athens, he gets into the city, and he's exploring. Athens would have been a world-class city of that day. And, and he's exploring everything, and he sees all of these idols and, and, and false gods that the people are worshiping, and it stirs up his spirit, and he's just, he's just like, he has compassion for them. He has to do something. So he begins spending time with people. He, he prays for them, and then he, he goes into the marketplace, we read, uh, to the Agora, and day after day he went, every day. And in that place, there would have probably been food that he could buy and eat, and so he spent time with people. We saw how Jesus would spend time eating with people, just, just spending time with those who are far from God. And, and during that process, as he's spending time with them, Paul starts asking questions, getting to know them, knowing who they are. And, and we saw all that last week. It got to the point that he had got to know them so well and in his teaching and in his conversations that they invited him to a place called Mars Hill to speak before this council of thinkers called the Areopagus uh, to share about this God that he worshiped and to share about this teaching of the gospel. And so we pick up the story now where Paul is at the Areopagus or the Areopagus, however uh, exactly that's pronounced, not sure. Uh, but he gets there and, and check this out in verse 26 of chapter 17. Paul, we're, we're kind of mid-speech here when Paul's talking. He says, for from one man, he, God, made all the people of the world and now they live all over the earth. You know what Paul's doing here? Paul's sharing stories, telling God's story. And this story, friends, is the greatest story that's ever been told. And Paul's telling it. You, you know this story, potentially, right? Where in the beginning, God created everything, and he created the heavens and the earth, and he created man, he created Adam, and then Eve, and Adam, his name literally means of the earth, from the ground, dirt man, and so he, he creates Adam out of the dirt. And then from, from Adam and then Eve, the entire earth is filled with people up to you and I today. This is a story God's been writing for centuries, for thousands of years now. And God is doing this work, and Paul reminds them that uh, the first person he made, this guy Adam, it was from him. God made him, and, and he filled the whole earth. See, Paul's telling God's story. Now, <clears throat> I should probably stop here for a minute because uh, some of you maybe who are uh, with us today or if you're joining us online and you're hearing my voice and, and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and so you're hearing some of these things and, and wondering what this is all about. Um, well, we're in this series where because of what God has done in our lives, we're saying, hey, we need to be about sharing that story with other people and telling other people about that. So that's this PEARL series, this acronym. And uh, if you're not yet a Christian, I'm glad you're here, and you're going to learn a lot now today about God's story. And not only that, but even you're going to learn a little bit about your own story and have the opportunity to really truly understand your story. But stories are powerful, and so the first thing I would, I would say in addition to that is be able to share God's story. That's what Paul's doing here. He's sharing God's story. See, uh, let's keep keep looking at this as Paul shares God's story. Uh, 
he goes from kind of everybody and he says, he zooms into individuals. He says, he decided, God decided exactly when all these people should live. He decided exactly where they should live. Different translations say this, he determined the allotted periods of time in which they would find their dwelling place and the boundaries of their dwelling place. This translation is just a little more readable. He, he, he decided exactly where they should live, exactly when they should live. You know, friend, uh, the place you live, the time in which we live, you know, God hasn't made a mistake in that. In fact, he's been working, working it out that, that you, he planned it, that you and I would live in this place in this time in these days, just as he did for everyone else. Now, uh, this, uh, this points to a theological concept called providence. Are you familiar with that? The, the, the concept of providence? Um, it simply means that God is working and has been working behind the scenes in your life and in my life, in our stories. God's been working behind the scenes the whole time. He's been, isn't that encouraging? He's been at work in your life. God has been. Whether you realize it or not, he has been. He's taken interest in you so much so that, that he determined, he decided when you were going to live. He decided where you were going to live and be born. He, he planned it all out. And uh, why did he do that, though? Well, let's, let's keep reading. See, he decided exactly where they should live, when they should live. Verse 27, God did this so that people would seek him. He did this so that you and I would seek him. Then, perhaps, they would reach out for him and find him. And they would find him, even though he's not far from any of us. See, God, God determined all these things so that uh, you would reach out and seek him. That you'd seek him. Uh, some of you, you've become a Christian, you've seen this played out over and over in your life. How God has specifically orchestrated events so that you would seek him out. And that you would come to faith in him. He's used good things, he's even taken hard things and used them in your life. It's pretty remarkable that God's been able to do that. See, one of the things we discover uh, as you read God's story in the Bible is that our lives are, are part of a greater story where God is central in them. He's at work in pursuit of your heart. And if you've been praying for someone, uh, you have a friend who you love who's, who's far from God, he's, he's been working in their life too, in his providence, behind the scenes, the whole time. Because he loves them, he cares about them. And God is after them, just like he's after you and I, providentially, in his providence. So we see providence in that story, but you know, we also see uh, responsibility. See, because God's providence, uh, being ahead of the game and planning things out and working behind the scenes from even eternity past, there's also uh, a sense where God wants us to respond to him. He does it so that we would seek him and, and reach out for him. He, he allows uh, good things in our lives. He allows hard things in our lives so that perhaps we might reach out for him. Have you ever had that? 
something really hard, really painful hits in your life and you're not quite sure what to do with it. You're not quite sure how to make sense of it. Even if you don't believe in God, do you ever find yourself calling out to him being like, what is this about? God, are you real? Are you there? What is this mess? And we, we reach out for him. God, God allowed that on purpose so that you might reach for him. See, while there's providence, there's also responsibility, which is God's desire that we pursue him and want him and respond to him. Love is mutual. It has to go two ways, doesn't it? It has to, or it's, it's not beautiful. That's what love is. That's how it works. I mean, have you ever wondered, you know, in the beginning, God created everything. Just think with me for a second. And if you don't know maybe this part of God's story, you can learn it now. But in the beginning, when God created everything, he, he created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden and life was perfect. And he, he puts them in this garden. And by the way, it's like when I was a kid, I thought of like the garden in my grandma's backyard, like tiny little garden, you know, with some tomatoes and carrots and other stuff. No, when you look at how the garden is mapped out in scripture, it's actually a huge area of land. Think more like a national park, like Yellowstone. It's about that size. And God puts Adam and Eve in the national park of Eden. And he says, he gives them incredible freedom. He says, friends, you can eat from any tree in the park, except for one. Don't eat from one. And then what happens? Well, we read that, that, that Eve and Adam both, they go and they take from the tree and they eat. And sometimes Eve gets a bad rap because she took of the fruit first, but what did she do right after that? Well, Adam was standing right next to her and he's like, here. She's like, here, have a bite. And he takes one. Why didn't he stop her? Like, why didn't he knock it out of her hand? But do you ever wonder, you know, you, you hear that and if you're like me, you believe that to be true. But do you ever wonder, why did God do that? Like, if he really loved us, Josh, like you're saying, why did he even allow hard times to happen? Like, why didn't he just make it so that we couldn't sin? So that we would never turn away? So that nothing ever would get jacked up? That's a great question. It's a question I've had. And I think the best answer for that is this, that I mentioned a little bit ago, that love has to be mutual. If, if God hadn't allowed that free will for us, because in his providence, he, he works in our lives, but he also desires us to respond to him. If he hadn't allowed that free choice for us, would it really be loving if he really made us just as robots? And, and if we couldn't really respond to him in love, I don't think it would. Now, how does all that play out? God is in complete control, totally sovereign over everything, and yet he gives me a choice. Those two things don't seem to be compatible, Josh. And let me explain it to you. I don't know. <laughs> but the Bible teaches both pretty clearly. It does. And I've experienced both pretty clearly. That At times, God's been working in my life in providence, and at other times, I've made choices, good and bad, that God has used in my life. So perhaps he's hoping that we would reach out for him and that you'd find him. But I wonder, do you ever feel like, I don't, I don't even know how to reach out to him. He just feels so far away from me. Uh, you know, I keep saying maybe we have friends who are far from God, but the reality is God is not far from them. Look at this, God is near. 
And if you find yourself feeling far from God, God's not far from you, that you might find him, though he is not far from any of us. He's near. And he can be found. See, uh, God's been doing this pursuit of hearts since the beginning of time, and, and he's working in your life too, and he's been coming after you because he loves you. And he longs for you to respond to him. And if you do, friends, it'll be the greatest thing you could ever find. See, uh, Paul is telling God's story here of what he's been up to. Now he's chasing after people. And uh, ultimately, if, if you're a Christian and you're going to share God's story like Paul does, maybe this would be helpful for you. You can think of God's story, this book, in four parts. This would be the way to summarize the entire Bible. First, there's creation. God created everything. It's in the first two chapters of Genesis. And then in chapter three, something awful happens. We already kind of covered this, right? Where Adam and Eve sin, they rebel against God. Sin means to miss the mark. And God's mark is perfection. And we've all missed it. And so Adam and Eve sin, and in that moment, they went from, I can't get my mind totally around this. They went from perfect relationship no shame ever, no misunderstanding ever, no heartache ever, no harsh words, no cutting comments, no pain, no regret, no shame. I can't fathom that. And in an instant, we read they knew they were naked. They felt shame and guilt and all of those things for the first time in Genesis 3. But here's the cool thing. What happens in Genesis 3 immediately, before he ever tells them what's going to happen because of their sin, God promises to them that he's going to fix what they messed up. And so the rest of the Old Testament through the New Testament, this portion... Is, God, is tracing that promise of how God's gonna fix everything. At that moment when they sinned, we refer to it as the fall because we, we fell into sin and, and messed everything up. But the, the, the bulk of scripture is tracing the story of how God's gonna fix it, how he's gonna rescue us from our sin. And he does that in Jesus Christ. And then uh, the, the last book of the Bible, Revelation, tells us of What's gonna happen later that Jesus is returning and he's gonna restore everything back to how God originally intended? Think about that. One day there'll be no more shame. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more fill in the blank in your life. No more of it. And Jesus is gonna restore everything back to God's original intent. God, God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth in the garden, Right? Well, if they had really done that, what would eventually happen? They'd go from uh, country to city. And you get to Revelation, God restores everything. And, and how's everything in heaven? It's the city of God. And it's beautiful and tons of people. And it's awesome. And you and I are living in the midst of this story. We're somewhere between rescue and restoration. And restoration's coming. Maybe sooner than we could ever imagine. Isn't that good news? We're in the midst of that story, friends. And so uh, you're called as a follower of Jesus, if you are, to share that story. And so there's just a simple way that you might share it. But let me uh, 
give you some specifics now. I've even had to share this part of, of rescue and how exactly God is gonna rescue us and has rescued us. You might think of it like this. If you can just draw this out, so I'm just gonna kind of walk through this, and you can do it by using just five verses from the book of Romans. You know, I mentioned already that in the beginning, everything was perfect. There was no shame, no regret. There was perfect relationship with Adam and Eve, with Adam and Eve and God, and it was awesome. And then they sin, and they feel all those things, that shame, that guilt, that uh, abandonment for the first time ever, right? The stuff we know is just part of everyday life. And what happens then is, while originally they were close with God, now because of their sin, there's been separation. And so, uh, while once we were close to God, now we're far from him. And it's almost like there's this huge chasm between us. I wonder, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? If you haven't, like pictures don't do it justice, the Grand Canyon is awesome. And that's a, a mild word to describe it. It's incredible. And, uh, but it's also huge. It's huge. But now let's, let's think for a moment. Um, you are the greatest long jumper in the history of the world. You've got more gold medals than Michael Phelps does swimming for your long jumping. You're awesome. And you decide, I need a bigger challenge than the Olympics. I'm going to jump the Grand Canyon. And so you start training, and you get as strong and as powerful and as, as good at your skill as you've ever been. And so the day comes, and you're like, I can't remember the guy's name. Do you remember the guy who, like, he walked on a tightrope across the Grand Canyon, and they put it on live TV? Did you ever see that? You remember that? This was a few years ago. You don't? Look it up. It's on YouTube, I'm sure. Irrelevant. Let's imagine, though, you're like him, and you're going to be on TV doing this. And so you train, and the day comes. Everybody's watching. You get lined up, you, you have a straight run, you know exactly where you're gonna jump and you take off and you start running and it just feels like uh, you are just booking, it's awesome. And you feel like this is the best attempt you're ever gonna make and everything's in slow motion, like chariots of fire is playing in your head, dun, 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 dun. And you take a leap and you're feeling really good for a little bit and you take off out over the edge of the cliff. And then what? Right? Total Wile Coyote. That's exactly what's going to happen. You'll never make it. Well, this chasm between us and God is very much like the Grand Canyon. And in fact, Romans 3.23 says that every one of us have sinned. All of us. And you know what else it says right after that? We, we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We fall short. You think of the best person you know, you would say, yeah, they're a pretty good guy, pretty good, pretty good gal, but they're not perfect. Yet, yet God's standard was perfection, and Adam and Eve had that for a time. And now we've all sinned, so we all fall short of the glory of God. And no matter how many good things we do, no matter how much we train, it doesn't matter. It's never gonna make up that gap. And in fact, you're not only gonna fall short, but like unfathomably, embarrassingly short. <laughs> That's all of us. I heard someone say this week that, uh, you know, the Bible tells us to fear God. And part of that's uh, 
they thought because he really knows who we are. He knows everything about us. He knows our sinfulness. And friends, in our sin, we fall short of God, and it's this huge chasm between us and him. And, you know, if you were to take off and, and run across and try to jump the Grand Canyon, what would happen after that quick descent? <laughs> You'd probably die, wouldn't you? It would result in your death. Well, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin, what we earn for our sin is death. Physical death, but also spiritual death. It's what I deserve. It's what I would earn. It's, it's the natural outcome of that leap. But then you get to Romans 5, verse 8, and we read, but God. But God shows his love for you and I in this. That, that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died in my place. Jesus, who, who never sinned, so there's, there's no gap between him and God. He is God. He died in my place. That's God showing his love for me. That's his providence. Providentially, Jesus died for me. He died for you. Isn't that great news? See, I didn't complete the rest of that passage from Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, it's life. It's eternal life. And Jesus said it's abundant life. It's life like the way it's really supposed to be to where eventually everything is restored. And it's even better now, before it's all fully restored. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, uh, friends, uh, what happens here is Jesus lives the perfect life I couldn't. He dies the death I deserve so that I could have the life that he wants me to have. And... Uh, I have a choice now. I can either just kind of take off and keep running and trying to cross that chasm on my own or I can allow Jesus to cross it for me. See, so it's, it's kind of like this, that, that Jesus has bridged that gap. He's filled in the gap to give me life. And, and now I have this choice. I can, I can keep going and, and jump on my own and whew, it's not gonna end well. Or I can step out and put my full trust and my full faith, not in me, but in everything that Jesus has done for me. That's the choice we have. And, and in fact, uh, Romans 10, 9 tells us that if you would, and it seems so simple, like I don't have to do anything, Josh? No, just faith, just step out in faith. The Bible's clear, if you would believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's Romans 10, 9. It ends pretty emphatically. Do you know what it says? You will be saved. Saved from what? From the natural outcome of my sin and how jacked up I am. Isn't that good news? See, so, so ultimately then Jesus bridges this gap and I get that choice. And, and I can call on him. And Romans 10, 13 says that everyone 
who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Friend, it's a simple act of faith. And I'd commend him to you if you haven't trusted him. And if you have, this is a simple way that you can share that with somebody who needs to know it, just on a napkin. Memorize parts of five verses, about six lines out of Romans. And they're, they're written down, actually, if you want to review them later on your handout today. But uh, let's continue. Not only should we uh, share God's story, but we should be ready to share our own story. See, friend, if, if you've trusted Jesus, your story is powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And you sharing your story might result in somebody else realizing, I need that too. I've been jumping off the cliff my whole life. What a mess I've made. You know, uh, many of you have shared your story. Uh, others of you, if you've trusted Jesus, you, you have a story. Even if you don't feel like you do, you have a story. And, and Paul, who we were looking at, who shares God's story, he often shared his story as well. In Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26, you can read about Paul sharing his story in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Philippians, and Galatians. Uh, Paul tells his story, his story of how God rescued him. And you read about it, you read about the providence of God working in his past and orchestrating these events in his life to where Paul's on the road to this city called Damascus, and, and Jesus like literally knocks him off his horse and causes him to go blind. And it's powerful. You might be like, yeah, but Josh, my, my story's pretty tame. That's all right. It's still a story of crossing from death to eternal life. It's a powerful story. It needs to be told. And your story needs to be told if you're a Christian. In fact, you know, if, if you're thinking of somebody right now who you, you wish uh, would cross that line or you hope would, you, you can't force anybody to. It's a Again, it's, it's responsibility. God desires us to choose as well. But you know, one of the best things you could probably do for them is to share your story, what difference Jesus has made in your life. And let them see that, yeah, you're not, you don't think you're better than me, do you? You're just, you're, you're messed up like me and need somebody to help you just like I do. Jesus does that for us, friends. He saves us. Um, and, uh, Paul was all about sharing his story, and we should be as well. It's your greatest tool. Paul shared his story, and your, sharing your story will be uh, your, your greatest tool in, in potentially helping somebody else make it their own story. If you're a Christian, let me uh, offer a tool to help you do this, because um, you might not know how. I mean, if we were to go out to lunch this week, and I said, hey, tell me your story. How'd you become a Christian? Would you be able to, to share that with me? I bet you could. If you've trusted Jesus, you'd be able to share when that happened. Maybe it was when you were really young. Maybe it was uh, 10 years ago. Maybe it was last week. I don't know. You'd be able to share that though. But uh, you may still struggle like just articulating all those things. And so I've got a tool for you that might be helpful for you. It's called uh, the second greatest story ever told. I used to use this uh, with high school students. And so it's written toward them, uh, but it, it will work for you too. Don't worry. And what this does is this helps you articulate your story because if God's story is the greatest story ever told, you know whose story is second? Yours. 
Your, for you, your story of meeting Jesus is the second greatest story you could ever tell. And a true story, a true story. And what this does is this helps you uh, articulate how you came to faith, but also how you're growing. See, what I would just give you a little advice on what this tool kind of helps you do. If, if you're gonna share your story with someone, uh, you might divide it into kind of three parts. The before, before I met Jesus, the how, which would be really the bulk of that story, how I met, met Jesus, how I came to faith, and kind of why, and, and then the now what, the after. How's that, how's that affected me? How's that changed me? And this tool will help you do that. But for, for some of us, uh, I was thinking through this uh, as I was preaching last service and realized it's been 25, almost 30 years since I became a Christian. And um, so my story is probably maybe a little out of date, a little, a little rusty and that's great that that happened to you, Josh, you know, 25, 30 years ago, but how about recently? What difference is he making in your life today? And so for some of us, we need to be able to share a growth story of, of, of testimony of how Jesus is working in us now and why it still matters. And, and this will help you do that as well. There's a handful of copies. I didn't check if there was any left after the first service out there. Uh, we can print you more, or if you go to youareloved.church backslash pearl, you can download a PDF of this and uh, do it on your own. I would encourage you, articulate your story, friend. Because here's the deal. It's your story. And no one can argue with it. What happened to you? And it could be powerful, and I've seen it over and over and over, how someone sharing their story has, has totally changed the lives of, of their friends, their family, and people they love because they wanted them to know the same thing and trust in the same way. Share your story. Let me close with just one thought, one, one other story to share with you. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of this guy. Uh, his name is Norm Miller, right there sitting in that chair. <coughs> Norm was a businessman. He was incredibly successful. He sold batteries for a living. And uh, eventually, uh, car batteries, in fact, he did quite well. And he rose up to being the top guy at this car battery company. He made a lot of money, Norm did. And though he was incredibly successful on the outside, uh, he, was, he was dying on the inside. He, he became addicted to alcohol, became an alcoholic, and it began to just overtake his life and ruin him. To the point that he had had two DUIs, and after the second one, uh, the officer told him, if you, if you get a third, you're, you're going to jail. Well, he, he, was, he was scared, and it was only a few weeks later, he got pulled over again, and he was drunk again. He, he was convinced, terrified, for sure, that, that he was going to jail, he was gonna end up you know, in the news, all of that stuff. But somehow, by God's grace, the cop let him off. He didn't go to jail, which just totally blew him away. He, he was certain that he was, and, and this experience scared him so much that he was in desperation. He finally, he couldn't take it anymore. He reached out to a friend he knew who uh, was a Christian and just wanted to know what to do. And this guy started telling him, he's like, dude, Norm, you, you're not gonna fix this on your own. That's clear, right? Like it's happened how many times now? You clearly can't fix yourself. You need Jesus. He's your only hope. He's your only hope. 
And if you turn to him, he'll, he'll change you, he'll help you. Well, so in desperation in that moment, Norm uh, eventually then trusted Christ. He, he, he just said, Jesus, I'm, I'm messed up. I can't do this. If you're there, save me. And he did. And over time, his life began to change. He, he became uh, free of the alcohol. And, and he says, Jesus changed my life. And, and he was amazed then. He just kept telling people how Jesus had changed him. He, he, and he wasn't shy about it. He, he shared uh, just how big of a mess his life was and what Jesus had done for him. And Norm was just amazed at how his story began to affect other people and cause them to trust Christ as well. He, he could have never dreamt it. And so he, he just thought to himself, he said, what if I created a website where people could share their story? And he started this website called I Am Second. And if you go to IamSecond.com, you can watch hundreds of stories of people just a few minutes long sharing their story of how they met Jesus, what Jesus has done in their life. Some of them are celebrities, some are just average people like you and I. And even if you would go there, uh, there's even a, a challenge right now for you to share your own story. And the reason I bring this up, if you wanna do that, great, but there's also uh, just some extra tools there to help you articulate your story. Friend, uh, stories are powerful. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be able to share God's story. We'll help you with that. And you should be ready to share your story because there's no story like yours. And it's powerful in the lives of other people you love so that they too could understand their life as part of God's story. Let me pray.